Hello, this is Monica Black, librarian, and I am doing another episode of the RLC, which is a Read, Learn, Connect podcast about all things that we are concerned about in the library world. I'm super excited because today is the very first opportunity that I get to interview an actual children's author. So I read a little bit about um, Susan Stevens Carmel before I came over, so I know that she is an award-winning author a mother, a wife, an aunt, and a lover of animals, but I'm going to let her tell me some things about herself that maybe I don't know and how those things tie into the books that she's writing. Yes, I am a former teacher for 31 years, high school math, and that seems a little odd, but that's the field that was available when I first started teaching, and I started working with my sister doing picture books about 20-something years ago when she had an emergency. So I began writing and teaching for probably the next five years after we started until we won the Texas Blue Bonnet Award with Cook-A-Doodle-Doo in 2001, and then I left the classroom to be a visiting author. So I had three kids, two of them were in college at the time. That was a little scary, changing from a surefire job to (laughs) a scary job that may not pan out, but it did. And um, I now have, many years later, I have six grandkids, and I read to them, And I go to their schools, and so it's been lots of fun. And I sneak math into the books, so if you look at some of the books, there is math. To to date, how many books do you have? 18. Okay, nice. All right, so I'm back with another question for Susan uh, Stevens-Crummel. My question is this. I, of course, I'm a librarian, so I realize the importance of these author visits, but sometimes our administrators don't. Sometimes we have a tough time convincing them that we need the money to do this or what the benefits are. So I'd like to know from your point of view why you think author visits are so important. Well, I think the kids connect with an author when they see an author, when they see that the the writing process, because many authors will bring, like I do, manuscripts showing the rewriting and the writing and where ideas come from. And what I'm trying to do is reinforce what the teachers are teaching. And if an administrator will just come to a session, they will see it. In fact, I just finished three weeks in a district uh, in Clear Creek, Texas, where I was speaking. A PTA member came and they had never had an author. But after she saw it, she said, we are funding this every year from now on. So that got them interested. I think they just need to see it in action and see the enthusiasm. I totally agree with that because I know plenty of people who don't work in libraries who think our job is just to sit there and check out books. Right. No, 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 no. And I always tell them my job is to support what teachers are doing. Yes. You know, the kids can check out their own books if that's all that it took. Yeah. Our job is to support what teachers are doing. So I completely agree with that. Um, You mentioned working many years as a classroom teacher. And I think you talked about how you ended up doing that. So my question is, um, now that you've been doing this for a while, which do you think is harder, working in a, as a classroom teacher or writing these books, and why? Oh, well, I think always it's, it's hard as a classroom teacher. I mean, what's good about what I do now is that every day is a new day, and every day I'm at a different location, and I can accept the jobs. You know, if I don't want to, if I want to take a break, I don't have to, to do that. this. If I don't want to write today, I don't. But when you're a teacher you're going in and you're going in there every day and you've got those same kids. And if you get a class with a lot of little uh, challenges, they're going to be there all year. And I think it's just, it's, I just salute all the teachers because it's a day in and day out job. Okay. Thank you. I totally agree with that. And I tell people all the time, I don't, 
I consider myself a teacher. To yeah. me, I think a librarian is just another title that you add to it. But right. once a teacher, always a teacher. So I completely agree with that. Um, I heard you talk about it when you were talking uh, to the kids today, but I wanted you to tell everybody in the audience about your process of writing a book, because I know people who want to start and they just figure it's, it's so hard to get started. So how do you get those ideas rolling and how do you work through the process? Well, the getting the ideas is sometimes the easiest part because Janet will sit there and think my sister is the creative um, genius behind these books because she knows what she wants to draw. And she's often thinking about things differently than I am being a high school math teacher. You know, I look at a cuckoo clock and I think, okay, that's a cuckoo clock. But my sister looks at it and goes, what if you were that cuckoo and you had to do that same job every day and walk out every hour on the hour and cuckoo and you have to remember the time and, you know, she started. Okay. Yeah. So those are the ways ideas get born. And then she throws that idea to me and I go, I run with it. So that's how it gets started. And then the next step is to start writing. And we write different versions. You know, we'll write one version doing this and one a short one and a long one. And, you know, once we get started, it has several different versions. And we don't show it to the editor until we get it fairly much, you know, like we like it in shape. So and it's just like the kids in class. When yeah, you're just revising like the class, and You're revising and editing yourself before you show it to the editor. And then it's even more revising and editing. It's a never-ending process. Okay. Do you and your sister always get to work together? Because I think that's cool. Yes. I've read about authors saying that they didn't get to pick their illustrator. Yes, and that's usually the case. But Janet was famous enough that, and established enough that she was able to ask me to come on board and brought me into the process. And I think the Blue Bonnet Award in Texas validated us as a team. And uh, the, the publishing house said, we're going to take you together. Okay. Very nice. So I have some questions specifically about the books. I'm interested in knowing which one of your 18 books took the longest to write and which one that you finished in the shortest amount of time. Well, the longest one was probably The Little Red Pen because that really took a long time to just pull the whole thing together and the we had so many more characters that we had to define and make sure that their voices were clear and the plot was changing and the ending was changing. And that was a long one. And Janet had a long, hard time with the art because she, you know, you can Google a cheetah if you want to draw a cheetah, but you can't Google a, a stapler with buck teeth and a nose. Okay. So she'd have to make them out of clay. She made clay models of all the different things and drew from the clay models. Okay. So Very that was our longest one. Probably. What about the shortest one? Shortest one was Shoetown, the first one, because we had four days because she had procrastinated and the deadline was Friday or uh, or else. So okay. that was an emergency book. Okay. So I've read a lot of the books except for The Donkey Egg, which I'm purchasing today because I didn't even realize you had a, a new one. Yes. I absolutely love The Great Fuzz Frenzy. Good. And I love the bigger message that's in the book. Because I'm always working with kids, and we know how it is. Kids have problems sometimes with each other, with their classmates. Right. And one of the things I find myself saying often is that the great thing about this life that we live in is you never have to continue being the person that you were yesterday or the day before. Exactly. Everyone has an opportunity to change. And I love the way Big Bark gets that opportunity to change at yes. the end. Yes. And as the way the way the other characters kind of help him out. Right. So my my question, I guess, maybe about a couple of your other books is what deeper message do you try to put in the books for kids to learn from? Well, I think in the Donkey Egg and this and, and in Cook a Doodle Doo, both of them have sort of a tragedy at the end, the shortcake hits the ground. 
and Pig Eats It All. And they'd been working the whole book to make this shortcake. What do you do? Do you just give up and, and you know, throw in the towel? And then the donkey egg, when the watermelon cracks after he sat on it and sat on it, and he realizes it's a watermelon, he's been tricked. Do you just go back to your porch and not do anything? And in both books, we had the main characters uh, pick up the pieces and do something about it. Okay, very so, nice. Yeah. Um, do you have a favorite book? I know the dish ran away with the spoon because okay. I found my voice. Okay. It's funny. It's got my puns, my corny puns, and it's full of play wordplay. So okay. I like that. One. I like that one too because I yeah. um I don't know if that was the one. Um, I wrote like onomatopoeia or figure yes, language. Yes, got every, well yes. everything. Yeah. And in fact, so does Fuzz Frenzy, which runs mm-hmm. a close second because it won an award from the. Um, National Council of Teachers of English, which is so funny because I was a math teacher 31 years and never won an award from the National Council of Teachers of Mathematics, but then I won an award from the Teachers of English. So yay, yay. thank you, English teachers. But it has a lot of, a lot of, it was the language that, that did okay. it, the figurative language. So, and the puns in Dish and Spoon, like Fork saying, I'll take a stab at it. And, you know, I love to make kids, to challenge kids to find the f- puns in the play, yeah. wordplay. I'll stick a sticky note and tape it across the front that says this book is great for verbs or yep. figurative language. And I find Good. teachers like that. Good. Oh, um, that's great. What's your favorite part about visiting schools? Watching the kids who have been well-prepared, watching them react to me being funny. Because the more, first of all, if, the, if they are prepared and they know the books and they are so excited when you start talking about that book and you bring it to life and then their excitement spreads to me and then I get more excited and funnier and then they get funnier. And I've just had kids fall on their backs laughing. And that's to me is the best part. Okay, cool. Making kids laugh because a lot of kids don't have a lot to laugh about. Yeah. So. You're like an actress up there. Did you have to practice it or does it just come naturally? No, I never made the play in high school. I never made the play. I was in the chorus in the background and I want my drama teacher to see me now if I finally made it. I'm only a hundred years old, but I made it. Okay, great. Hopefully your drama teacher will be listening to this podcast. (laughs) Um, We talked about a little bit about the donkey egg. That's your newest book. Are there any other books of the work? Yes. We have a new book we are we are pitching right now. It's called Little Good Wolf, and it's about a little wolf who's the best little wolf. He brushes his teeth and he says please and thank you, but his parents, it he's their worst nightmare because they're Mr. and Mrs. Big Bad Wolf. Oh. And they send him off to bad school. Okay. And he flunks out because he's too good. Okay. So I'm it's a very funny yeah. book. It's a reverse book about teaching you to be good is teaching you to be bad, and he won't have anything to do with it. Okay. Very interesting because I often interesting. talk to um, kids, too, about um, being yourself. Yes. And not having to be what, what your parents, parents are. That's exactly. Or what your parents want you to be. That's exactly what the message is. Yeah. Here. And the parents come around at the end because he runs off, and he, he doesn't know where he can't go home. He feels like a failure, but... He ends up returning and they missed him so much. Okay, and the good. whole thing, you know, comes back together. Yes, again. that's great. Because we, we see that a lot of parents yeah. wanting kids to be what they want them to be yep. instead of allowing them to be their own person and to explore and to be what makes, you know, what makes oh, yeah. them happy. Oh, yeah. So what advice would you give for students or teachers or anyone who wants to write for children? The best organization that helps you with your writing, with peer tutoring, peer uh, 
uh, reading is the Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators. The acronym is SCBWI and it's a website, scbwi.org. It's a nationwide organization, but there's local chapters with meetings monthly. And you bring your manuscript and you sit and read and you, you peer edit. And then they have conventions where they bring in editors and other authors and agents to help you, you know, hone your manuscript. And it's just a great way to, to get your foot in the door. Okay, great. Last questions, uh, because I'm in a lot of um, social media groups for librarians and you have visited right. our school once. And a question that's asked a lot is, oh, I have an author coming, you know, what should I do to prepare? And my answer is always contact the author because, you know, yes. they know what they need. Yes. So that would be my question. What should they do to prepare to get ready for you? Yes. Well, first of all, read the books. I've, I had a librarian say one time, well, I wanted to save the books for you. You know, I didn't want them to, to read all the books so they would, you know, you could surprise them by reading them. And I went, oh, no, no, no. Kids love repetition. You know, if you're watching a small child, they'll watch the, their favorite movie yes. over and over and they'll read their favorite book over and over. And so you reading the books get the, gets them excited okay. to hear me. So that's the number one thing. Read the book. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you thank for you. giving me the opportunity to be my very first wonderful, fantastic children's author on this podcast. <laughs>